The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people of Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another word, the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our God of light and of hope in a dark and fearful world, we ask this morning that we might listen to uh, words of promise and prophecy, to words of fulfillment, and to the hope that comes with your arrival in our world as flesh and blood, Jesus, the one who saves us all. We pray that as the new year continues, we will deepen our walk with you. We make lots of New Year's resolutions. Maybe they're already starting to fade, but we pray, Lord, that one of those resolutions will be that we will truly open that Bible, open the book that is full of prophecies and fulfillments of hope, of lessons and challenges for us and uh, answers and how to live in this brutal world. So we ask the Lord for for the confidence to... um, Keep our commitments and to serve you each and every day and to love our neighbors and all the good stuff that you have brought into our lives. May we truly thank you by showing it forth and manifesting an epiphany now and then to our neighbors and friends of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Now there have been mm, an extraordinary successful series of ratings this past month for the Hallmark TV channels. Did you realize that? Now, I know that some of you are smiling a knowing smile because weren't many of us, many, many, many of us, seeking some sort of surefire escape from all the real world's numerous stressors over the last month, six weeks, Shootings, stock market volatility, children starving in Yemen, global upheavals at sea. And where do we find relief? On the Hallmark Channel. Continuous feed of small town Christmas tree lightings and snowy town squares shared with neighbors and decorated gingerbread house competitions, the littlest one winning the blue ribbon 
and gently snowflakes falling at the right time. Why, even my lawyer brother shocked me by admitting that he was hooked on Hallmark's sweet, everybody-knows-your-name snowy villages and predictable plots, even more than my sister-in-law. And I'll admit I taped no less than two to three a day so that when I got home, I could watch them (laughs) right up till two and three in the morning before falling asleep on the couch. Each movie starts, as you know, with the heartless New York realtor, or the Hollywood film crew ready to invade the small town serenity. They either want to buy the charming old country inn and remodel it into tasteless art deco condos, or eliminate all the small mom-and-pop shops on Main Street to build a new franchise of stores under one investor's name brand. Plus, wait for it, there's also that boy-meets-girl romance that blossoms slowly through struggles for the city slicker and the local country bumpkin. Lights, camera, action. Until the last two minutes, the last two minutes, the homespun love and family and grace win over fame and fortune, and the couple lives happily ever after. Now, Hallmark stories are pretty predictable. But the real world, in Jesus' day, wasn't always so predictable, nor did it have a happily ever after ending sometimes. This morning, it is, in our church year, the season of Epiphany, day one. Actually, Epiphany is January 6th, uh, which comes 12 days after Christmas, and that is it on Sunday. It happens every seven years. The beautiful church season of Epiphany is one of brilliant light dawning, on and around the whole world, driving back the darkness of oppression and fear and animosity and the hope of God made flesh in the Christ child brings radiant light into this situation. Epiphany begins, as you know, with the travel of wise men in, uh, from into Bethlehem. According to Matthew's story, which is the only gospel that records the coming of the wise men, We can call them also magi, which has a root meaning similar to magicians, because they were really Gentile astrologers. They were not kings at all. These men were really stargazers who studied charts of astrology and studied the heavens, and they came from Babylon, and they were finally led to the famous child Jesus in Bethlehem. En route, riding their camels, they were um, able to consult uh, with nasty, self-serving King Herod in Jerusalem, who was having a little job insecurity when he heard about Jesus being born. Herod was frightened and jealous over that toddler because he was also called King of the Jews, as was Herod. But Herod was an imposter, appointed by Rome, He hoped soon to eliminate the competition, however, not such a romper room kind of gospel story today. So Herod advised the Magi how to get to Bethlehem, but they said, once you find that baby, that child, please come back and tell me exactly where he is. 
Now, Jesus, you may know, at this time, was about two years old. It probably took the wise men a year or two to find Jesus and to travel on those camels. They had studied their star charts in astrology and had many manifestations along the way of where he might be found. And the star led the wise men to the house where Jesus and his mother lived. And as I said by now, there was no baby Jesus, but a toddler uh, possibly running around the house as Jesus was growing all those years. The Gospel of Matthew says, When they saw the child, at last with Mary his mother, the Magi knelt down and paid him homage. This Gospel of Matthew is really often called a Jewish Gospel because it quotes all kinds of prophecies that are not in the other Gospels. But it is thought it was written to those who had converted from Judaism to Christianity, to following Christ, and so it, li- it lists all the reasons why they are now believers in this child who was born in Bethlehem. Then the wise men came with their gifts, as we know, rare and valuable gifts for the king indeed. As the story goes, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the reason we think there were three wise men is because there were three gifts in the scripture. There could have been a whole tribe of them. There could have been two but we have gold, frankincense, and myrrh that need to be carried, and so we have three wise men. And also, the gold is a a gift fit for a king, a very valuable gift. Frankincense is really uh, incense and is burned in the temple when uh, there is worship, and this uh, child will be one who will be worshipped and adored. And myrrh, as you know, is an embalming kind of uh, oil, and it is used... Uh, at times of burial to anoint the body, which pre, pre, uh, precludes, what's the word? Prefaces the idea that Jesus is um, going to at one time be killed, as we know, on the cross uh, for us all. So these gifts are really quite um, important to understand. But soon uh, the wise men, as you know, were warned not to return to Herod's clutches as desired, And so they went home, it said, by another way. The sad part of that footnote is, because they left town, on the other hand, there was the, what is called the slaughter of the innocents. This is your church history lesson. The slaughter of the innocents. All the two-year-old male children um, were killed because Herod wanted to make sure that he got Jesus in the mix. And so it was a desperate cry from house to house to house, a horrible time that followed the wise men's departure as Herod tried to find the right child. Of course, he did not. It was a violent and an oppressive world at that time that Jesus was born into. Much like our current world scene, you might say, it was no hallmark production at all. It seems human nature also never changes King Herod did not want the competition from some two-year-old Jewish king, an infant. So he tried to take care of the problem, the slaughter of the innocents. Horrible to imagine, and yet we know that these things go on in our global village right now. We just don't hear about them, and when we do, it takes our breath away. The question then becomes, do we blame God for these horrific acts? Do we presume God is okay with the suffering of innocence and inequality and hatred in our world? Or or do we look in the mirror 
and remind ourselves that God is good, that God is unconditional love, that God is light and hope and grace unbounded. God came in Jesus to lead us into a new way of living together in love and peace and equality, all races and all gender and all families, one in Christ. Even those who are of other world faith traditions are family, for no one, no one is excluded from the love of God. We read in Isaiah 60, today's lesson from the Old Testament, the promise of a new nation of Israel stirring. The history before this is that before uh, the new day is dawning, Israel had been in... had been in, um, out of the country for a number of years, possibly 500 years. It had been out of their holy city of Jerusalem. And uh, they were in exile, suffering and uh, wailing and moaning. And finally, in Isaiah 60 today, the end of their exile is over, and they are able to come home to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is apparently war-torn and uh, needs a lot of renovation. But nonetheless, they are home. And the prophet Isaiah said, Okay, people, arise and shine, for your light has come. This is your moment. The prophet Isaiah is singing a song of victory and a call to make a difference in this world. And that's our call today. This season is a time to bring unity and healing and hope to the world. It's a month in the ELCA, always January, of global mission because of the coming of the wise men and from their history and their story. Perhaps you know the beautiful little song, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. It's written by a distinguished organist and scholar, Kathleen Thomerson. I know, um, I know our uh, Carol is going to enjoy this part because uh, we never really talk about the history of the hymns. She was re- writing it about 1970, and it's a rare and uh, a rare escape from sometimes erudite musicians writing because it's a simple but elegant melody. The first person perspective of the singer is to join Christ in discipleship, in a journey of faith. The song, I want to walk as a child of the light. I want to follow Jesus. God set the stars to give light to the world. The star of my life is Jesus. Now, that part stays the same, um, but in him there is no... No, that part, that part will change. It's the uh, chorus, the second heart. In him there is no darkness at all. Night and day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God. Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. The second line is the one to watch. The songwriter made each line become more intense. First, I want to follow Jesus. And then there will be, I want to look at Jesus, which means you're now so close You're not just following a trail or reading prophecies. Now you want to actually see him in flesh and blood. And the third stanza, I want to be with Jesus. This epiphany has become a reality and a tangible uh, incarnation of Jesus. So I thought we might take a stab at singing this. I have the musicians learned it for this very moment. And so how many of you already know this song? There is no one raising their hand. Okay. We have one person, Judy Mosser. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's take it away. We've got uh, we've got it's number eight fifteen in the hymnal. 
Oh, it's 8.15 in your red hymnals. That would give you, that would give you a boost, I think. And the musical notes will be in there, too. And if you don't know where the hymnals are, they're under your pew, I think, aren't they? Or in front, no, just the front row. They're red books. Okay. done well. I'm going to leave that last verse for you to study on your own, but it's basically, I want to be with Jesus is the challenge. My brothers and sisters, it is the beginning of the season of Epiphany. It goes for several weeks, and we are called to become the light to the world. Our luminous faith being so contagious, and our unconditional commitment to Christ also, so much of a witness to others, that they will be drawn to the light. So let's shine forth like a beacon this year, and others will find that there is a way out of their darkness. Be brighter. Be brighter and brighter with each passing day. And if you need refueling, this is a place to come, and there's lots of other ministries that will refuel that brightness and turn on all of your lights. And so let the hallmark of our labor be love, unity, and joy this year and have a happy new year. Amen. <laughs>